Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleeping rivalry in baseball. Hosted by Patrick covering the Boston Red Sox and Chris covering the New York Yankees. And remember, you could catch the show wherever you catch your um, podcasts at Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio and Amazon. And you could catch us on Twitter at TalkingRivals.com. You could follow Patrick at Patrick Trotty. You can follow myself at CP7NY. You could also catch us on Sportsnarium.com backslash player, which is Sportswire Radio. You can follow the station manager there, Thomas Bryce, at Thomas Bryce 2017 for all the scheduling. So, Thomas. Ah, Thomas. Patrick, <laughs> what's up, man? Another rugby uh, for the Yankees. You know, if I was Thomas, I'd be a fan of the first boys team, the Mets. Yeah, exactly. So, but <laughs> I mean, um, it's at this point, I'm just not shaking my head because it's, it's, you know, one game, a win next to a loss for the Red Sox and just splitting series. And it was a tough week and we'll get into the, the, the game by game, but after winning two out of three from the Yankees last weekend, which we talked about last episode, I figured, okay, then you got Pittsburgh or Baltimore, and and the Red Sox would get would get start to get right, get healthy, and play well. And it looked like they were off to a good start in Pittsburgh. They win the first game five to three. Uh, the second game they win eight, and that was a game that shouldn't even been that close. That was the Nick Pavetta. That was when Nick Pavetta got right. He was throwing. I think he threw a seven innings two hits and then Pittsburgh scored three late, but you know, they get, they get healthy. They get better. They win the second game in the series, eight to three, their offense and their pitching kind of both are performing at the same time. And then they get shellacked eight to two on Thursday and they go into Baltimore. And this is, this is the season. I keep saying every week it's must win games, but this three game series in Baltimore and then this week in Toronto and Tampa, this is the time to make up games. And they start off the series with an ugly game on Friday. I don't know if you caught any of it. It was 15 to 10. Yeah. It was just, I mean, Baltimore had two errors. Boston out hit them and they still found a way to lose by five. Um, it just, it, <laughs> I, I'm trying to make heads or tails of it. And my biggest takeaway is how legit Baltimore is now, but that kind of takes away from Boston's responsibility because Boston Red Sox should go into Baltimore and not beat them up, but they should do what they have to do. If they want to, they want to be considered a playoff caliber team. They have to win against AL East opponents. And it's it's been this way all year. They haven't. I think they've won one series against the AL East, right? All year. Hmm. Um, and that was it. Two, if you count Baltimore's one game series last week, which I don't count. But I mean, okay. it's just it's. <laughs> no, I was going to say just that record alone against the division, and yeah. you still. I mean, not in the division race, well, kind of, but 
you're more you're still in the wild card race amazingly at six games but can we say right now that this week is like one of those put this, up or shut up weeks yeah right? <laughs> 40 games left they're two games under they're playing at home so that's something three against toronto three against tampa and then the next week after that um next episode we'll talk about it but they're playing minnesota so these next nine games, I would say, are going to be probably the season. I think you would have to you would have to think least. as a Red Sox fan, especially for the first six at home, you got to you got to take it's time to take five out of six. Yeah, you got to sweep one of them. Yeah, and two out of three of the other. I I agree because you got to make up six games. And know? not only that, you got to jump three teams just to get into. To get into the playoffs, they the Red Sox have to jump four teams to make that final spot. Yep, and now's the time to do it, you know, because it's getting it's getting late early. It's already late, yep. actually. So, <laughs> but uh, and yeah. looking in the standings, it's there. There are good teams ahead of them: the White Sox, talented teams, White Sox, Baltimore, Minnesota, and that's just to get to the first team out. And then you got to knock off either Toronto, Seattle, or Tampa Bay to get in. Yeah, and and we'll get into it later. But that's I I think they're all percentage points. They're all tied for the wild card. And and the thing is with these teams that are ahead, they're good teams, but they're all beatable. Like I don't think yeah, every team has a flaw. Yeah, I don't even I, the only team I don't think has a flaw is Houston. Maybe in their lineup, their lineup is not as great as it once was a few years ago when they won the world series. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, who was the guy that was injured other than Alvarez, which is a big, Oh, one. the other outfielder, um, Brantley. Right. Yeah. I think, it, and if Alvarez doesn't come back, I'm sure he'll come back. Right. But yeah. um, if he doesn't come back, then they're really doomed with that. Cause their lineup really is not that good. Um, but that's really their only weakness. They got great starting pitching, really good bullpen. Um, it's there. It's there for them to take it this year, for sure, in the American League, as we've seen how the Yankees have done this last uh, month and a half or whatever. But I think with Boston, this is it. You know, you got you got the you're playing against the teams you got to catch. So yeah. it's, and you're it's playing, there for playing at home for the next week, right? Against Minnesota, that's even more. Um, well, no, I it's at Minnesota next week. Yeah. So this week you're, you're home. playing at home against Toronto and Tampa. Yeah. And you you've just seen Toronto play. What were your I guess what were your initial takeaways from well, Toronto? I, I think for Toronto, the, the lineup is still really good. Is it as great as we thought it would be at the beginning? Well, <laughs> that I thought it would be at the beginning of the year. I would say probably not, but there's still a force offensively. Yeah. I don't love their pitching. I'll be honest, I really don't. They've pitched well, but I just, I don't know. I'm not a big, I don't, I'm not a big believer in that team pitching wise as much as I thought early in the season. I know they lost, um, uh, what's the group for you? Yeah, yep. they lost him. That was a big loss. But what's going on with Barrios this year? I don't know. I mean, he He's, pitched great against us, but of yeah, course, well. <laughs> but everybody has lately. But yeah, he was, he came in with a five. Five five ERA or something like that. He lowered it to five three. 
Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't was, catch that game, but I saw the box score, and I was like, "Wait a second, he was a five year, right?" Yeah, that was the game I was at. Actually, it was that was a pretty depressing game. Um, how was other than I, I hate to say it's other than on the field? How was it? <laughs> I had a great time. You know, I was with family yeah. and friends. You know, we were celebrating my birthday, which was a month ago. But um, yeah, it was really great. You know, the experience. We were in the Audi club or whatever it was. Um, really cool experience. I tell I would tell anybody who's going to the Yankee game to try to get tickets. They're not that expensive. You get unlimited food and a lot of good food, not the normal uh, ballpark food. Not so, microwave uh, chicken in a bucket. Yeah, no, none of that. Definitely none of that. It's definitely worth it. Um, cool. uh, yeah, it's it's inside, so you don't have to worry about the weather at all, good or bad. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was a great experience. You know, it was just. The team lost and they looked lifeless. That was that was and that was the first game of that series. And that was coming off a, the walk-off win against Tampa Bay the, the night before. And everybody thought, all right, that's it. We're back. You know, the the grand slam by uh that was the turning point. Yeah, well, we thought it would be, but yeah. um then they end up losing three out of four against Toronto. But um but getting back to Toronto, I listen, they're not an easy team to beat, obviously, but again, like we said earlier. They're a beatable team. I don't think their pitching is great. Um, their lineup, of course, is really good. <laughs> you know, to say the least, it's a it's it's a deep lineup. Um, but uh, yeah, I, if I, I they're a beatable team, I don't think they're going to the ALCS. Um, you know, I don't. I think they're going to get knocked out either in the first round or in the divisional round. So, um, well, they're only they're they're tied for they could go from first wild card to the final wild card, depending yeah. on how they play this week. I mean, depending on one game, because there's a three-way tie uh, yeah. for the for that wild card spot. So it's these teams are bunched. I mean, Tampa Bay, Toronto, and Seattle are all uh, 65 and 55 for Tampa Bay and Toronto. Seattle, 66 and 56. So they're all right there. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like any team is running away, taking the you know whatever you power you want to say, and you know, you, going on a big win streak and just taking ownership of it. And you could throw in Cleveland, right? Because Cleveland's only a game ahead of Minnesota, right yep. in the division. So you could put Cleveland and then two ahead of the White Sox. Yep. Yeah. So that kind of there you could throw that name in there because if they go on a losing streak, they could be out of the the playoffs altogether. <laughs> you know, from first in the division to out of the playoffs. So you know, like if they play the White Sox or if they play Minnesota coming up, they could get knocked out quick. So yeah, it, this is definitely from uh, the White Sox who were three and a half out from them up. It could change yeah. in a matter of three or four days, right? So, and then yeah, yeah from episode to episode, those six or seven teams outside of right now, outside of the Yankees and the Astros, the next four spots are up to what seven or eight teams. Yeah, and they could change from episode to episode. Uh, yep, they could completely switch, and that's why you know we were saying, boy, this is. This is the week Boston could get into that conversation. Right now, they're they're kind of on the outskirts of that conversation because they're six out. Yeah, so they got to make up sure. three games just to get into and that. You know, 
Yeah, they lost last night, and it was a tough series against Baltimore. It was the finishing up with the Little League Classic, and they're, I mean, they're six and four in their last ten. Six out of playing six hundred baseball in ten games—that's not bad, but it's not going to catch up to everybody. Right at this point, they're they're so far back that they got to win seven or eight out of ten, and, and then hope for other teams to start losing. But. And- and you know what? We could talk about how horrible baseball does to promote the game, but a game like last night, that Little League Classic, that's how you grow the game, right? Having that. Yes, and I feel totally the dream. agree. Yeah, it's, I, I seen a highlight of it. Uh, they showed uh, Adley Rutschman before the game getting signatures. They, he was actually exchanging signatures with uh, the Little Leaguers. You know, like they were coming up, oh, can you sign my ball? Yeah, that was very cool. Yeah, so, I mean, stuff like that, that's how you grow the game, and we we we've now talked about it a lot. Same thing with Cooperstown. Yeah, that would be great. You know, so I think if uh, they do more stuff like this, I think it's it can only build a game. It's only good for the game. Um, so which is cool. I know I know Boston lost, but still. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a it was an enjoyable experience. Besides the game, the whole yeah. getting getting younger fans into it, getting younger uh, future stars hopefully into yeah. it. But uh, let's go back to the Yankees for a minute. What is there? It's obviously there's there's an issue. There's probably multiple issues. Yes. With the Yankees, but is it a? Is it? Can you solve it quick in time, quick enough? And B, is it just one thing, or is it like you know, is it kind of? The way I am with the Red Sox, just looking at it like one day it's no hitting, the next day it's no pitching. Right. Or is it just consistently one thing for the Yankees that's missing? To me, it's it's a couple of things, right? The obvious thing, right? They're not hitting. They're just not scoring, right? So that's one. Mm-hmm. And and we talked about it from April and May, how the bottom of the batting order was doing nothing. And they were still winning games because the top of the batting order was getting things done. So now, when the top of the batting order quiets down a little bit or a lot, uh, especially Judge and Rizzo, Stanton being out, all that combination of these guys not hitting up top because you know you're not getting anything from the bottom. So, yeah. obviously, the offense, and that could change, and that's going to change. We got Stanton coming back, I think, today because um, he played a couple of games in double uh, A rehab games. So, I think he's coming back today. So I think this is the beginning of the team getting back on track offensively. For me, though, I said it, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, the backbone of this team is the bullpen. And right now, the bullpen, there's there's a lot of good arms there. But right now, as we speak, we do not have our closer or a closer. And we've said it before the season started. We don't like when there's a bullpen got by committee, closer by committee role, that never works. And right now, nobody's really stepping up, you know, with Holmes getting he had the bad run and then now he's on the uh, the IL. So, and Chapman is just a disaster. So, right now, we just don't have a closer. And Efres was hurt last night. I don't know if he's going to be on the, the IL as well now. Um, it's That, to me, is the biggest problem for the Yankees. Forget about the offense. The offense is going to get going again. We know what they do, They're, and they are streaky. We know that. 
right? Judge obviously has calmed down a lot. I think uh, teams are starting to pitch around him now the last few weeks. I think mm-hmm. maybe Flaherty uh, no, um, said something about it on TV. But teams are just pitching to him differently because they know the rest of the lineup is not doing anything. So why pitch to this guy? The only guy that's hitting in the lineup, right. I'm not going to let this guy beat me. You know, I'll let you know Rizzo or someone else beat me. Um, so, but I think with Stanton returning, I think that's going to start to turn, you know, that's, that's going to start to change. So I think offensively, you know, the, the top of the lineup is going to hit the bottom. We know is going to be whatever it's going to be, whatever they give us. It's a, it's a positive, right? So whatever it is, it is, but the top of the lineup for me, I think is going to start to hit soon. Maybe not the next two days because we got Scherzer and DeGrom coming up against the Mets, but I think the uh, the offense is going to get going. The problem for me is definitely the bullpen because we lack that closer at the end. You know, you, we could we could do sixth, seventh, and eighth inning, and we could get to the ninth. We could get to that closer spot, but who's going to be the closer now? And that's my biggest question, and I think that's the Yankees' biggest question, and someone's got to step it up. Someone's got to get hot like Holmes did early in the season for the first half of the season. He's basically unhittable. Someone has to be that guy. And I hope we don't have to wait till Holmes comes back to see if he could be that guy. I'd rather see someone step it up before him. Um, so how long is he supposed to be out for? <laughs> well, I think it's it's a back issue. He said his back right. stiffened up and he did throw the other day. He felt better. So I'm thinking it's not gonna be a long, I think it's just gonna be, you know, 15 days or 10 days, whatever he's on. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna be a long thing. It's a matter of him coming back and is he going to come back as the homes of the first half or the homes that we've seen the last, what was it? Two weeks straight where he couldn't get anybody out, you know, in a big spot. So um, that's going to be the I, big question. Mark. Yeah. I mean, for a team, I'm, I, cause I keep looking at the standings and it's, I, I know Tampa and Toronto are starting to starting to inch closer. Didn't you say the last episode if Toronto got within what was it? They could get to within six mm-hmm. if everything went wrong. So it's eight. So everything didn't quite go. It's it's not. It went pretty bad though, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. It wasn't. They're trying to well. talk me into the Red Sox. Like, look, this is their week, and things might turn around. And I'm trying to say that the Yankees. Look, the Yankees are still in first place in the division. So, right. but things to your point, the closer situation is what's the most troubling, and and I wonder if it's going to be just kind of Boone just playing the rest of the season out as far as situational, ride the hot hand, or yeah. if he's going to want that one alpha closer. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what's going to happen because, I mean, we are getting supposedly Zach Britton coming back, but I'm not expecting much from him, mm-hmm. especially from Tommy John. Um, I don't I don't know what to expect from him, so I, I'm not even putting him in that conversation. But um, that's another name you could put in there. But I, I think the guy that has to come back 100% is Holmes, yep. and he has to pitch like he did the first half of the year to really solidify everything. If he does then I'll feel very good about the the, uh, the bullpen going into the playoffs. And, you know, the rotation, uh, it, yeah, it's it's got its ups and downs, obviously. 
Cole wasn't great the other day. Um, and Mont Montas has not been good with us yet. Um, I, yeah, I don't do you know. think that's just him pressing and trying to? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, you know, it's it's just it's amazing how many bad pickups that Cashman has had, especially pitching, that just doesn't turn around. You know, that just doesn't turn out the way we think it would be. You know, we could go down the line, and it's 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 so frustrating because it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense. Like, how does a guy pitch so good somewhere else and then come here, and there's completely like a complete opposite of what he was? It just makes no sense. I'm not expecting Montas to be, you know, the ace or something like that, but just pitch solid, and he hasn't yeah. done that yet. You know, I mean, we 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 went through this with Sonny Gray. Is it just the Oakland A's? Is it pressure? Oh, the, all the pressure in New York. I, I hate using that excuse because there should be pressure everywhere. You want to play, even if it's not just to win, but you want to get a new contract and all that stuff. So uh, there's got to be pressure on you to perform well, no matter what. Yeah. So, I, I don't understand. And I could see maybe if it was moving from the National League to the American League. Right. But, yeah. And then it's got to be even more frustrating with something great to see him doing well afterwards too. Right. Or and then to see players that kind of perform well, come to New York, don't perform well, go somewhere else and pick it right back up. Right. And then you got Montgomery pitching great in St. Louis and yep. we're still stuck with a guy walking around in a boot who might be a good player at, at whenever he's ready. But the big question is, when is he going to be ready? Will he be ready for the playoffs? Will he be ready for September? So that it's it's just so frustrating because now nobody liked that trade to begin with. Nobody. So now we gotta we gotta see Montgomery pitch great in St. Louis. They're winning games. He's pitching great. And then we're stuck here with nothing for it, you know. So that one's horrible. The the Montas deal looks horrible in so many ways because we didn't get Castillo and he's pitching great for Seattle. And the guy we end up with, like the, you know, the bridesmaid, or I guess the second guy that we could have got has not pitched good. And the guy we gave away in Oakland, JP Sears is pitching really good for them. So that's the other one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it is, it, it's frustrating in that side. And the more frustrating part of it is that nothing's going to get done. Right. Normally a GM would probably get tossed for this, would probably get fired. But Cashman is he's not going anywhere, unfortunately. I know every Yankee fan or most Yankee fan wants to see him go because no World Series since 09 and only one championship since since 2000. So uh, it's I I know Cashman ain't going anywhere. At least I don't think so. I and Boone's not going anywhere either. And I don't really I don't really put the blame on him, right? It's the players. I mean what decision is he making that's been so bad? You know, I mean, yeah, he can only put the guys that he has on his roster right now out there. So, right, yeah, you can't. <laughs> it's like I think it was Bill Parcells in football that said, you know, if you're gonna give me the ingredients, you know, you can only do so much. Right, and it's <laughs> it, it's just I think it goes back to the front office as far as the Yankees, and I think the same thing can be argued about with Boston. I, I mean, they're obviously one team is not in the playoffs right now. One team's in first place, but 
both teams have solid managers. I mean, guys that are well thought of, former players, player players, coaches, you know, however you want to say it, like a, a player's manager type of guy. Right. Boone and Cora. And I haven't, looking at it from the outside, I haven't seen that many mistakes, quote unquote, that Boone has made. So I think it might just be as simple as the front office is saying you have to do it a certain way. You have to you have to coach right according to the analytics. And I I don't know. I mean I I think that it might be as simple as just, you know, the players have to perform better. A- absolutely. Absolutely. Play to play to the back of your baseball card. Simple yep. as that. And these guys are just not doing it, whether it's the pitching, the hitters, both, you know, so Boone can only do so much. And yeah, he could be a better manager in the, in the leadership quality. I think, you know, like maybe saying like we did see a little bit of uh, something the other day. In the a couple days ago? Yeah, yeah. Where he banged the table and that, that was great. That that's good. And let's hope he's doing that in the clubhouse. Because like I said, to me, the, when there's no leadership on a team, this this is where it shows up on a you know bad losing streak or a bad streak with a team, and this is going on for uh, about two months now. So yeah. that to me, that's where the leadership void shows the most in a team when teams go through this. Every team goes through slumps. Every team. There's not one team that never went through a slump. Even the greatest teams, right? Even the '98 Yankees had a horrible start, and then they just you know. They just went off, you know, the rest of the season. Now, here, these guys were great in the first half. Everybody was starting to compare them to the 98 team, which is ridiculous. But I get it. But now, okay, you've got this. You've hit the speed bump. You hit a lot of speed bumps. But someone has to step up, and nobody has. And that's where – and it starts from the top. It's not just the players. It's the manager. It's not just the manager. It's the GM, the owner. Like, when – when the Yankees normally would get into a slump, somebody steps up and says something, right? Whether it's the G I'm surprised Cashman hasn't talked more about this and said yeah. something. And, and, you know, like, listen, we, we got, or had a team meeting where he comes down to the team and, or the owner comes down, like stuff like that has to happen, you know, sometimes, or like when it's a prolonged slump, that they're in something like that has to happen because that shows the players aren't doing it. And I don't think there's a leader on this team. You know, Judge is the quote-unquote captain of this team, but he's not acting like it. You know, let, yesterday, another good example. Yesterday, he gets hit, right, by Manoa. Yeah, I was just – I was you are reading my mind. I was just about to ask. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to see a fight. No, but, definitely not. Exactly. But, but that was almost an example of what you're talking about, where yeah. – that's almost presenting. It's like an opportunity that presents itself. You know, you don't want to see, you, you want to see something come out of that in, in the right way. And I don't know. I mean, what were your thoughts on it? My, my thoughts was, yeah, he should have, he should have kept confronting him. He should have kept going after him. You know, Manoa probably was like, no, I'm not trying to hit you. I'm, you know, I'm just pitching inside. Oh, okay. No problem. You know, so then he tells the rest of the team, no, no, don't worry, you're we're good. No, 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 you don't do that. <laughs> you don't do that. I'm sorry. This re- it reminded me, and I, I tweeted it out too. 
uh, someone posted it, and I, I said, this reminded me of the 2000 World Series, Game 2, okay? Roger Clemens yeah. gets it in on, on Piazza, cracks the bat, right? And then he throws the bat at Piazza. Now, Piazza doesn't really do much. He just stands there. That should have been go right after Clemens. Yeah. That's what he should have did. I, he would have got thrown out. I get it. I know Mets fans are like, he's our team. If he gets thrown out, we're definitely going to lose. No. But that would have showed the Yankees, like, we're not afraid. Like, we're not intimidated by you. Like, we don't care who you are. You can't do that to us. But to me, Piazza kind of backed down. And it to me, they lost the series right there. I thought they lost the series in game one, but that's a whole other argument. But I think game two is where they really lost it. That was it. That was done. I was like, they got no shot now. And Manoa has been doing done. it to the whole division. He's on the mound and off the mound. He did it in Fenway a couple weeks ago, where <laughs> he, he gave up a home run to Bobby Dahlbeck, which I don't know how he did, but he did. <laughs> and uh, and the next at bat, he struck him out, and he basically told him to sit the f down, told the dugout what to wow. do, um, and nothing happened. And again, I don't think either of us are saying, you know, start a huge brawl, but something's something's got to give, especially it's a visiting, it's a, your opponent, they're on the road. So it's at Fenway, it's at Yankee Stadium, and and they're going in and dictating the terms. They're, they're the ones pitching inside. They're the ones being aggressive, the opposing team. And it's... It seemed like it seemed like Cole almost forced himself to do something to show that he was kind of like he. It almost seemed like he was overcompensating, but he wasn't going to do anything. Yeah, he wasn't going to do it. Cole's not that type of guy. Like somebody else though should have did that. Somebody else should have got out of the. Even if it was Marvin Marvin Gonzalez, right? Like he's probably yeah. going to get cut anyway. Once once Stanton is, uh, well, I hope he is. Yeah, I could see you telling me a rookie or bench guy is out there, you know, chest to chest with Manoa saying, no, 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 that's our best player. You're on our field. Don't do that. And that just shows you there is no leadership on that team, you know, or maybe they look at I I personally, I think they look at Judge as the leader of the team. And I don't think a guy like Rizzo or Donaldson doesn't want to really step on his toes and and kind of take over the leadership. They're kind of like, all right, this is his team. Let him do what he wants. I, but I think that's a mistake because judge is not, he's not a great player, five tooler, everything. So I'm not putting him down as a player, but as a leader and as a captain of this team, no, I don't think he's that good because that was the opportunity to do something. Like you said, mm-hmm. not a fight, but just don't back down. And he backed down simple as that. And yeah. the rest of the team, except for Cole did nothing. Yeah, I agree. It's it's one of those things where it's tricky because you don't want to do too much, but you can't be like a deer in the headlights or be the first one to right. blink or whatever, however you want to put it. So think about it. If he okay, like he started, he you know, all right, he started walking up and he started saying words back and forth. That's when you just start walking towards him. Not you're not going after him to hit him, but you just start walking towards him. As you start walking towards him, probably the bench is clear and you know, right. our usual, right? Everybody's, you know, holding each other back and nothing really happens anymore anyway. But that would have set the tone and said, hey, you can't hit our best player, me. You know, like, you can't hit me. Or if you're going to hit me, these guys are going to get you. You know, these guys are going to get you after me. So, I don't know. It just, 
that was the opportunity didn't happen but at the end of the day they won the game ben intendi hit the two-run homer that was great that was, hopefully that's a hopefully that's the moment that kickstarts him because he's been that's the other move we could talk about that the yankees yeah. made that hasn't really worked out great glove but offensively has done nothing but maybe yesterday was the turning point for him maybe that was like the you know okay now i'm good I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, he's maybe relaxed, but at the end of the day, they lost three out of four against Toronto and two out of three against Tampa Bay at home. And you can't do that. You know, just like you guys, you guys have to win these games at home against yeah. divisional opponents and they yeah, haven't done it all year. Business at home and then tread water on the road. And... That's it, you know, but you gotta have to win these games at home. I mean, against divisional opponents. Cause I think Toronto, we only got three more games against Toronto the rest of the way. So that's going to make it, that makes it tougher for Toronto to catch us, you know, because now they're hoping that we have a, we continue the bad streak and they get hot at some point because they got to make up eight games, right? In 40, yeah. that's, that's tough, right? Yeah, so. that's tough. Um, and starting tomorrow, like I said, the Red Sox are at home against Toronto and then at Tam- uh, home against Tampa as well. Yeah. And they play Toronto three six more games they play tampa a bunch of times 10 10 more games 10 out of the 40 are against tampa um and we still have the yankees we still have you guys for two at home and then the week after for a four game set but i mean those are six games that We'll get into much later in September, but ho- I'm just hoping that the Red Sox are still in the playoff race by then because right. it's it's I it's just weird seeing Baltimore the way they're progressing and kind of ahead of schedule. Toronto is being the aggressive team with Manoa kind of pitching inside and just just dictating the terms. It's just, it seems like everything is upside down. <laughs> yeah, because think about it. Now the Yankees and the Red Sox, after this year, are going to have to play catch-up, I think. Yeah, the they're the ones play. that have to react. Yeah, and both teams are going to make a lot of changes. Yeah. So this is not, for both of us, Yankees and the Red Sox, these are not our teams, for the most part, that's going to be next year. I mean, this is, no. you know, this is going to be one of those, all right, let's see what we got with these guys and, we're going to see a lot of guys being moved after this year, you know, um, and hopefully a lot of guys coming up from the minors. Uh, yeah. That was, that's, that was a good thing for this week, right? We got to see, um, we definitely got to see one of our good young players. Yeah. I forgot to team. ask how, what were your impressions on him? Is he, I mean, is he more than just roster piece? Is he, like kind of like not a core player but moving forward in the future. I think at the very least, he's going to be a super utility player because okay. he could play any position. It looks like he could play short. He could play third. He could play the outfield. So I think in that sense, that's his, I think that's his floor. He's going to be a really good super utility guy. Um, we haven't seen the offense yet from him and that's okay. I mean, he's only his first couple of games of the year. So I'm not getting, you know, oh my God, he can't hit. You know, no, I, I think he's going to hit eventually. So I think at the very least, he's going to be a super utility player. 
Um, mm. You know, I think what their Marvin Gonzalez is right now, um, you know, DJ, kind of like that guy that's going to play multiple positions for you, guy you can move around. And I, I think his bat's going to come around eventually. I think, you know, might, might not be till next year, you know, because his first few games, you know, his first, what, three, four games of his career here, um, you can't really, you know, fault him. But he looked good so far at every position he's played, short, third in the outfield. Made a nice play, uh, robbed a home run um, in one of the Toronto games. So, um, yeah, I'm I I like him. I think he's shows shown a lot. That's why I think with Stanton being activated, whether it's today or tomorrow, you could cut loose Marlon Gonzalez because now you got a guy who could play multiple positions. Yeah. So I, I'm not at, at this point they they can move on from him because he's done absolutely nothing other than be the backup player for every position more or less right mm-hmm. so i mean he hasn't hit so I, th- I think it's it's time to let him go i mean he's doing absolutely nothing who else can you cut on i mean i would love to cut hicks but hicks has you know we've talked about it already three years 30 million dollars left on his deal so that might be something they're gonna try to do in the off season. yeah that that's that's a future yeah issue but right. uh, yeah, I, I think Stanton will come up, and Gonzalez should be the cut unless they IL one of the pitchers. Like I mean, I said, look, that's an immediate year. upgrade, obviously. It's anytime you can switch out Stanton for Marlon Gonzalez, yeah, so absolutely. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe Stanton comes back and between that and some of the younger guys coming up. Things it just seems like every week there's one or two moments where the Yankees that Donaldson home run. That Ben Intendi home run or the Ben Intendi walk off. Um, it seems like there are moments like that every week where then Yankees, Yankee fans can say, okay, this is the moment where things were right the ship. And what what's what's missing in between those moments? Just is it as simple as just not consistent or yeah, I, I think it's just the offense. The offense not scoring runs. Like, here, just take the Tampa series. We lost the first game 9-2. to two. Uh, The second game, we got shut out 4 nothing by uh, Gausman. Then the third game, they lost 5-2. to two. That was the game that Cole started. It, it seems like once Toronto or once any team scores two, three runs, the game's over. I feel Did like I read it right where Cole... That was his eighth time this year, giving up multiple runs in an inning. Yeah, he's been. It's I mean, been he's... like really good, or just completely like right. teams just get away <laughs> from real quick. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because I think he was perfect in four in that game. Right. Yeah. It was and the then fifth inning. all of a sudden, he gives a four or five spot in one inning. Yep. Uh, it's it's incredible for a guy that has his type of stuff to almost be relegated to I was watching the replay of his start and it's almost like okay just give us six innings and it'll be a bullpen game right with his stuff it should be I just wonder I mean he's gone from being paid as the number one shutdown ace to like a 1B or a Sometimes just like you don't know what's going on in his head. It just 
it seems like there's something missing between his stuff and his body language out there. Yeah, and that's why I I brought it up and I even posted it on uh, Twitter that I just don't think he's a really good pitcher. And maybe and you could put him in one of the best pitchers in the whole league. Okay, but to me, he's not an ace. He's a good number two. He's a good Robin to some to a Batman, but he's not Batman. Right. When he was with Houston, Verlander was the ace. and Everybody knew that he was the guy. Cole was awesome. Number two with him. Right. I think they both won 20 games that year. So, yeah, he's a perfect number two guy. If you have him as your number two and you have an ace on top of him, that's awesome. That's as good as anybody in the league. Yeah, and it can't go be- back to your point. If you guys got Luis Castillo instead of Montas, right? There then go. things are a lot different, I think. And like like you said earlier, what is the the mental aspect? It just gets away from him. The game just I've seen it so many. We've seen it so many times. Like that game against Toronto, he was perfect through four, and then gives up the four runs uh, about a month earlier or. Few, uh, about three starts earlier against Seattle, gave up the yeah. six runs in the first inning. He looked awful, and then he went perfect the next five innings. You know, so I, it's it's amazing with him because he's got great stuff. He's he's definitely one of the best pitchers in baseball. But I think you know, for Yankee fans, we just have to realize like he's just not he's not an ace like Scherzer. Or I was just going to bring him up. He's yeah, not those guys, Max Scherzer, Verlander. Yeah. He's he's not that guy. Again, he's not the he's not the ace. He's a great Robin. He's just not a good Batman. That's the best explanation because he's great as that second piece. He's just not good as the guy. Okay, we need seventh game. He's got to start. I, I'm I'm kind of I would be nervous with him starting game seven. You know, in his yeah. It, yeah. it would it would kind of bother me. <laughs> to me. Cole is a healthier version to bring it to the Red Sox, too. He's a healthier version of Chris Sale. He's got all the talent in the world, but sometimes it's just you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah, know? they implode sometimes, if, and sometimes it's mentally. it's a game seven, no, I'm, I'm looking for the guys that you're going to face. The Yankees are going to face this uh, tonight and tomorrow. Insurers are in the ground. Well, here, good example for you. Game seven, who do you want pitching for you? Not if sale, but all healthy. Every, everybody's I, healthy. I want Whitlock and Evaldi on the mound. Right, Evaldi. That would that would be my choice. Evaldi, even... and he's injured right now. But if he was healthy, I would want Evaldi and hand it to Whitlock, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, nobody else gets the ball. <laughs> and for the Yankees, I I don't know who I'd want Game Seven. Maybe Cortez at this point. I don't know. I I. I it would almost, for me, be a, a bullpen game. I would maybe start yeah. Severino, get as much as you can out of him, and then bullpen the rest of the way, I guess. I don't know. The bad news about that question for me is the fact that there won't be that this year. The good news for you is you'll probably get to that at some point in the playoffs. So you'll have that you'll have that question answered for you. And year. I hope that. I hope we do. I hope we have a game seven and it's probably going to be at Houston now, but I, I would love for it to be that. I don't know if we're going to get to that point, but I hope we do. And I, I hope Cole, if it's Cole, I hope he goes out and pitches great. Yeah. I just don't have the confidence in him because 
if he has that one bad inning, it just gets away from him. And to me, that's where the, that ace mentality comes in. Even if you give up a home run. All right. All right. That's it. Okay. I gave up a two run home run. We're down to nothing. Okay. It's got to stop here. I got to give my, I got to give my team a chance to get back. I can't give up five runs and then we have no shot. So, (laughs) so for me, that's, that's, and it's, it's incredible because I think Cole is stuff is as good as anybody's. Right. I, I think he's as good as any pitcher in the league stuff wise, yeah. but mental wise. No, I don't think he's a, I just, I just don't see it. So. So you guys are playing, you're at home against the Mets for a two game series and Scherzer tonight and then the ground. Yes. Back to back. Not great, <laughs> but um, yeah, hopefully we get, if, if we get one out of two, I'll be happy at this point. Love to sweep. Um but uh, going up against those guys, it's going to be tough. Um, and then um, the rest of the week, we, we go on a road trip. This is the good part. It's at Oakland and then at the Angels and then at Tampa Bay. So okay. those, yeah. I mean, after the Mets, those are games that – those are all games you got to – you got to come out 3-3, three, three, uh, 6-10. Out of 10 games, you got to be at least 7 out of 10 of those games. That's what mm-hmm. I'm looking at easily. So I hope, hope that happens at least, but uh, okay, I, I, hopefully yesterday was that turning point. Like you said, maybe it was, um, you know, obviously we, we thought it was with uh, the Donaldson grand slam, but um, hopefully the Benintendi gets him going, Stanton returning, you know, all that, all that mojo together equals into, okay, yeah. we're going to turn it around and, at least let's get hot before the playoffs start and then we take our shot, you know, take our chances in the playoffs. So that's all I'm hoping for. Yeah. And as far as you brought up Stan coming back, uh, as far as Boston with health news, uh, Trevor's story is just quietly, prolong- not prolonging, but it just keeps on going further and further is expected time to come back. Uh, he's been quietly on the IL for now it's been a while and every week that I check it seems like it's being pushed back so I don't know when he's due back and then Avaldi was put on the IL for sore neck slash slash shoulder um, I guess they admitted to rushing him back in that series against the Yankees where he came back off the IL and to pitch in Yankee Stadium, I believe. It was right before the All-Star game, I think. One of those games against the Yankees where we played you like back-to-back weeks, two times in, in within a week or two. And um, I think that screwed him up. And I Again, I, I think both teams, while both our teams are in different positions, Obviously, in the standings, I think there's a lot of similarities in that you're only as good as the next day's starting pitcher. Right. And right now, the Boston starters are not performing well, and I think that's I think that's what it comes down to is the consistency. Is you know, the Red Sox will have a moment where they get a big start by somebody. Or they get a clutch hit, and then it's just 
one step forward, two steps back because it's, it's not sustainable. It's not consistent. I don't even want to say effort. I would say with the Red Sox, it's, and it's, again, it's not on core. I don't think it's on core, the managing. I, I think it's more of how this team is constructed. And I think it might go back to Hunter Renfro leaving, being traded for Jackie Bradley and a bunch of prospects. And and then Jaron Durant. I mean, there's just a lot of ways that this team kind of put its eggs in different baskets and none of them have hatched. <laughs> right. Because Hunter Renfro, I saw, as we talk about the rest of the league, I saw him get a home run. I don't know if it's landed yet. It hit the scoreboard halfway up the scoreboard in Wrigley this week. It was, uh, and it's just incredible because the Red Sox need a right-handed hitting outfielder, and to see guys that you willingly moved flourish on other teams, it's it's frustrating because the Red Sox, just like the Yankees, should not be moving on from players that have shown the ability to play in New York and Fenway. Like you were saying, that's why the Red Sox should pay Bogarts. Right. Because they've shown it. And just just like you said, with the Yankees, with the pinstripes kind of being heavy on some people, if you show an ability to play in Boston, in New York, in the big markets, you should get rewarded for that. I don't, and Renfro had a career year, and they moved on from it. I, I just don't get it. Yeah. And it's not just one thing, but that's just one example of difference in years and from last year to this year. Um, and then this year so to next we year. Talk about the rest of the league, yeah, before we talk about the rest of the league, um, what were your thoughts on – I know Jeter said that he wished he could have made it to – O'Neill's, uh, I guess, his day at Yankee Stadium. Right. How how do you view that? Is that a big deal, or is that just the media just kind of making it a big deal? Uh, I don't know if they made a big deal or not about it. I'm Listen, I, for some reason, and I don't know what it is, I was actually talking to my friends about it, too. Um, the other day we were at the game about Jeter. Like, he's not coming – he doesn't show up for these things. He doesn't He's go not to a big reunion guy. No, and you know what? He doesn't. He hasn't gone to the old timers day. I think the old timers day, and I explained it too. I said I. I don't think he wants to go to old timers day because I don't think he thinks of himself as an old person yet. You know, maybe he still thinks. Not that he's coming back to play or anything. I'm not saying that. But you know, like mentally, you you think oh, I'm not old yet. I'm not an old timer yet. I shouldn't. Be I don't old. think he wants his image to be somebody some young fan to see him in person right. for the first time and say that's Derek Jeter right if he's out there playing because Jeter's getting up there in age right he's not that's, a, he that, that's very good yep that's a that's a very good way to say it so I, I think in that sense that's another one that uh yeah it's 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 strange because it's like hey you've you've got the resume so you could you could fall back on the highlights the resume Hall of Fame, everything. You got it all. You got uh, as good as resumes anybody's ever had. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, you were a, a one-hit wonder or something like that. You were Derek Jeter. You know, you had one of these careers that people would dream over to have. So 
Um, it, it's it is a little strange because you know the other guys were there, so um, but uh, you know, and everybody was you know should O'Neill's number be retired anyway? Um, for me, I, I think he should have. Um, because listen, in nine years, four four World Series rings, one of the best players on the team, and also four all stars. Yeah, also one yeah. of the. Also one of the most title. popular players too. Hitting title, um, he had a great career with the Yankees, man. He just an unreal. And with the other guys on the team, he was he was one of the most important players on that team, offensively yeah. and defensively. Great in right field. So yeah, I think he should have got his number retired. I know it gets it gets out of hand with the Yankees, and they have so many retired numbers, but they've also had so many great players on their team. I was just gonna say. <laughs> And I'm not one to stand up for this, but <laughs> I say it at least once. Right. If you have a lot of great players, you're gonna have a lot of great. You're gonna have a lot of retired numbers. Yeah. So I mean, you can't. The ones, the ones that strike me is a little odd, and I know why. But Reggie Jackson, right. I don't think as he I get with the three home run game in the postseason, but in the World Series, but. That to me is a little pushing yeah. it, but the most the, the recent guys, I get it because, and you've seen it firsthand. If you're if you're a, a core player on the multiple championship teams, you, your number should be retired. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, and they had it, and the run that they had is getting more and more appreciated, I think, as we go along to see how hard it is to get back to the World Series, to win it just once, let alone, yep. you know, the five times that these that the core guys did it. Um, O'Neill was there for the four. But um, and he was also, you know, I'm not giving him all the credit, but he was also part of the team that got them back on the winning track when he first got here. You know, yeah. he was he was one of those building block players that you know, brought this team from what they were in the late eighties, early nineties to what they were in the late nineties, you know, this great so, team. So looking at it from the outside, O'Neill kind of typifies or exemplifies where on the field production meets off the field mentality. You're talking about how the Yankees kind of lack that, not that he was the captain, but lack that type of on-the-field leadership, whether it's rah-rah or it's just a mentality. or They're missing something, man. Right. And O'Neal kind of put that together. Obviously, with Jeter, the leadership was off the charts. Yeah. But with the whole warrior mentality and that coming from a player that was playing so great as well, O'Neal, it kind of... It was, it was one of those. I, I think he definitely deserved his number retired. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's just a great player. Um, I, I, and I hope, I hope most fans appreciate it, and you know, and and don't start complaining for the next twenty years. Oh, that's another number that shouldn't be retired. And I just, I listen. The guy was a great player for us for nine if years. You're gonna- yeah, because if, if you're a fan out there and you're going to say that, which, okay, I mean, maybe you could argue, but I, don't, I think we're in agreement that it should be retired. But then you can't have it both ways. You can't say, 
what's wrong with the current Yankees not winning championships and then not appreciate players that have won championships right in the past. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's probably gonna be the last one for a while that's gonna get retired. So I don't think anybody else is getting yeah, that's a good question. That's a good thing to bring up. (laughs) Who would be the next retired Yankee? Retired Yankee? Probably none. I don't. No, I'm serious. I don't think any retired Yankee is going to get the number gets, retired. Now, what's the process between? What's the difference between the number retired and Memorial Park? Um, oh, to get a monument? Uh, yeah, monument. Sorry. Oh no, those you're not going to get. Those definitely not. I mean, if Jeter or Rivera didn't get a monument, then I don't think anybody will. Right. Um, no, that's a good point. Yeah, plaques are yeah, plaques are different, but um, but um, you don't see um, I'm just throwing out there for argument's sake, somebody like I'm trying to think of who would be the next, maybe to have a day. See, I'm not sure how the Yankees do it. I I know the plaques are like those are like Mount Rushmore, right? Right. And then the number, and then before that, what is there? Would there be like you have a day without it? Is that possible? Yeah, because I think Winfield had one. Has CC had anything? No, you know what? There you go. You're right. That's that's the guy. That is definitely yeah, the guy. I was trying to find a way to say CC Sabathia should have something. Obviously not a plaque. Obviously not. <laughs> not right. his number retired, but some sort of commemorative day. And I'm sure they had it when he retired or when he got the 3,000, was it 3,000 strikeouts that he got as a Yankee? Yeah. And I, I'm sure yeah. they did something the next time they came back to Yankee Stadium, but I'm sure there could be something in between a number retired and, you know, just being another player. Yeah. I, you know what? That's the guy I, I, I didn't think of. That's the guy that's probably going to get his number retired. And then, other than oh, that, at the very least, a day. But I, yeah, I a day. And then, other than that, if if he signed that contract, it would have been Cano. Yeah, Cano would have been it. And and if if well, obviously if Judge if Judge signed. signs that contract, yeah, I think he gets yeah. the whole package. I think he gets that. He gets the captaincy. Yeah. Um. You know that. And that's you're what, right. After that, those yeah. are some ifs. And after that, it's looking Maybe. like. How about Stanton? If he stays with us the next five years, I think he's got his deal, right? Oh God. Or Cole. Oh. I get. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Be here a while. It's it's tricky because it's like I'll go on a limb and say neither of them get it because if Stanton gets, then it gets starts to get watered down. I can see the argument. Stanton's a great player, but I just don't think of him as a great Yankee. Right, but he's gonna he's gonna he's like, gonna put up the majority of his stat more home runs than not as a Yankee. So, right, yeah, no, he's gonna he's definitely gonna be more remembered as a Yankee than as a Marlin for yes. sure. Yeah, um, it's just a matter of <clears throat> I think it depends on what he does the next five years as well. You does know? he have that? And it doesn't have to be a three-home run World Series game, but does he have that pinstripe moment, that Yankee 
home run, whether it's against Boston, whether it's in the playoffs, where, you know what I mean? Because, I, and it's tough to compare players from different generations, but he didn't play as a Yankee his whole career. But the that, stats are there, so. Like right now, right, maybe. Right now he's had 104 career home runs as a Yankee. So, obviously that's yeah. not high on a list. That's now he's got a ways worth. to go. Yeah, that's what I mean. But he's got five. I think he's got five years left on his deal. So, so at the very least, he's gonna he's gonna double that number, right? At the very least, twenty you know, home runs a year. That's another hundred right there. You know, if you're talking two hundred home runs, you're over Tino and O'Neill. Yeah, and that's at the least. So if he hits thirty home runs a year, which is very doable, I'll say this: if he's decent the next five years, and they win a World Series with him. Yeah, and if he I wins think he the World Series and he has like 250 home runs, 300, if he gets to 300 with the Yankees. As a Yankee, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. So. Then there's a shot. I think he has to win a championship. You know, I don't think there's anybody there other than Mattingly that has Yeah, it's very tough to get a number. Believe me. <laughs> for, for a long time, there, there was a gap with the Red Sox with championships, obviously. So you have to be a certain type of player, like a Matty Lee, or I'm thinking of a Red Sox like Williams or Yastrzemski to get your number retired without winning a title in Boston or in New York. And that's the way it should be. Right. The bar should be set high. Yeah. I I think he's the only one that hasn't won a championship, uh, Mattingly, that's had his number retired. So I think that's where that's you know Mattingly's obviously in a totally different category, yeah. But and that's why he's up there. But I think that's where you're going to see if if Stanton gets in or not. Judge probably gets his number retired. That might be part of the the extension that he signs. You know, that might be a you know kind of a part of the deal. Gentlemen's agreement. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where it was with with Reggie. You know, he only played five years here, but I think. Yeah, no, I'm not. I think I, I'm part just of nitpicking. If I had to choose somebody that had it done. Yeah, I, but, I think. With, yeah, look, Mr. October is Mr. October for a reason. So. Right. But I, I think with him getting his number retired was probably, I think they said, listen, we'll, we'll retire your number if you put your, if, if you're, you go in the Hall of Fame as a Yankee. That might have been part of that deal. Yes. Right? Maybe. You know, like now the Hall of Fame decides what cap you wear, which I think is. Which I think is they got it right doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think with maybe with the hats, they should do with. I think it goes back to what they should do with football. Football guys, they don't go in as a whatever player. They go in as the player. Right. Yeah. There's no helmet. There's no, you know, it says, you know, this person's in the Hall of Fame because of this and he played for this team and this team or whatever. And yep. I think that's what they should do with baseball, you know. But that's a whole yeah. other argument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's always good to bring in like the kind of off the field Hall of Fame number retirement because yeah. you know you're talking about at the very least you're talking about a very good player, if not great. So, yeah. And um, speaking of great players. Today is our 60th episode. 
And on this day of the recording, we're doing a new thing on this day in baseball history. And on this day in 1961, what do you think? I, I kind of teased. I Did I tell you before what it was? Uh, um, you did, but I. Get, you might have. Roger Maris becomes the, I want to get this right, becomes the first player to hit his 50th home run in the month of August. So that's you know the sixty one that that's a that's a big number. That's one of those years, especially because of Mantle as well. But Roger Maris becomes the first player, and Judge could do it. Day. He's got forty six right now, and it's April. What I mean, uh, August. Yeah, if it was April, then yeah. Well, yeah, we still got nine more. Game. Yeah, he's still got a bunch. Today's of the twenty second, so you got. How many more games in the month? Seven, six, at least. Yeah. So he'd have to go on. He'd have to go on a run. But you've seen it better than I have. Judge can get hot real quick. Yeah, we've seen it this year. He's gone on it. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I think with Stanton returning, I think they, he's got a shot at it. If he didn't return, I don't think they would be. Right now, he's got yep. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight, nine games left in August. Nine games to get four home runs. Yeah, that's and look who he's playing after after the Mets. You got Oakland and the Angels. So he could yeah. do four home runs against the Angels in that three game series, you know, with the way they've yeah, been pitching. Sure. So <laughs> and also on this day uh is Carl Ustromsky's birthday. Oh, okay. So I would say he is talk about all-time stuff, I would say he's got to be the best Red Sox not named Ted Williams. I don't think that's going on a limb. I think... He, yeah, I, I think you're right. Right. I mean, I, best, I, was... I mean, because Ortiz didn't play his whole career as a Red Sox. I know Ortiz has the championships. And Ted Williams is my choice for all-time Red Sox, but... Yeah, I, I think you're right. I don't think yeah. there's... I don't think there's any argument about that either, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they come even close anybody else. No. And um, do we have any trivia? Yes. Do you? Oh, do you want to get into any of the? Oh yeah, players? I know. I I I kept on teasing it and saying we we're forgetting. I knew I was forgetting something. Talk about around the league a little bit. Yeah. I I the one thing that sticks out. Two things. Let me jump to the National League. Before sure. we go back to the American League, I think two things. The Dodgers just, I mean, they're the, you know, people were comparing the Yankees to the 98 Yankees. The Dodgers, you could say, are the 98 Yankees. I mean, they're ridiculous right now. Uh, they're at 84 and 36. They're running away with the West. I mean, no one's catching them in the West. Um, and I'll say this now. I think the only team that's got a shot at beating the Dodgers to get to the World Series is the Mets. I, I don't see... Atlanta, you know, we've seen them have their run, but then they face the Mets and then they fall back again. So, yeah, um, I don't really see it. San Diego, they made all their moves and they're they're kind of back. And one of their moves <laughs> so far has backfired. Josh Hader, I know yeah. we're talking about closer by committee. They just announced that they're gonna relieve him of his duties for a little while. Wow, <laughs> kind of give him a reset, kind of. Press the on press the power button twice and see what happens. 
I mean, this guy's one of the best closers. In yeah, that that can't help his confidence. No. So and we're not saying you're you're a bust since you got here, but we're just going to take your job away. <laughs> right. That's but it's only good. for a couple of games. Yeah, that was. And a- they also San Diego also awkwardly had to switch out Fernando Tatis bobblehead day. Oof. For a Juan Soto T-shirt day, which <laughs> is a good trade, but it's like yeah. I think that was for next year as well. Wow, so that's embarrassing. So, but the you know what, and and their wild card, you got your team now in now Philly, right? You believed in Philly yeah. before the season started, so they're in there. But they're only going to Toronto. In my defense, Toronto is also one game away from being out of it, right? Yeah, no, yeah, Toronto's. Yeah, I wasn't that I wasn't that impressed by them at all. And you know, we talked about it how how tight that the top six teams are, yeah. top seven if you include Cleveland, because Cleveland's got the one game lead in the division. So that's that one's going to be fluid the rest of the year. I think. I think we're going to see different teams in that spot. So uh, it, it this it might end up these three teams as the wild card, but I could see Minnesota or Baltimore or even the White Sox, right? I was thinking about this before we got on. I'm like, White Sox better because right now, <laughs> White Sox and the Brewers were my pick to make the World Series, and neither are in the playoffs. <laughs> but go ahead. I was going to say the White Sox to me have been in this situation like all year. They've been about three games out of the wild card. They're hanging in with the division, but they've been in this like all season. They haven't dropped and they haven't really gained much. They've been, and every time we see them, they'll win a game or two in a row, and you think, all right. They look good now. They're going to bounce back. This is, and yep. then they just, I don't know. I, I can't figure them out this year. I mean, uh, you know, Baltimore is, like you said, it's amazing what they've done. It's just absolutely, whatever they finish is amazing. So, um, and then you got Minnesota. Like all these teams are like the same team. Yeah. They had their run, but they, you know. Something <laughs> about the White Sox tells me. And I think you agree. They they should be the team that takes it in the central. Should be, yeah. I they should agree. be. But I think I think between them and Baltimore, it would make it would make a lot of sense that over the course of a year, the averages tell tell me at least that the White Sox are the better team than Baltimore. But maybe with the momentum. The way things are going with Adley Rushman, with some of these young guys coming up, and maybe Baltimore, this is their year to make playoffs or to finish above the White Sox. I, I could see it because none of those teams, nobody's grabbed it and run with it yet. None no. of them. <laughs> the only team that's done it is Houston, you could say, in their division, and the Dodgers. St. Louis has kind of given themselves a little bit of breathing room against Milwaukee. I think they're up five games now. So. But uh, other than that, there's really, I, I think, top three teams in the league, and you could rank them any way you want, Dodgers, Mets, Astros. I'm going to say Dodgers, Astros, Mets. But it's close. The Mets have big win yesterday coming back against Philly. But um, Yeah, I think there's – I agree. I think there's a couple – there's different levels to each. There's a couple teams that are close – Together on whatever level you want to say, like uh, this, these teams can contend for a championship. There's, there's 
there's like a space between the Dodgers and the next team. And then those teams, there's a space. And then I would put the Yankees right behind those three. Uh, yeah, I I guess um, when they're on, yeah, I would put the Yankees and the Braves, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to I think. Look- like, I, I would definitely put the Dodgers one, and then a space, and then the Astros, the Mets, and then like I said, a little gap, and then we'll see though, because look, the Yankees could. You know, knock Degrom and Scherzer out of the game early, and kind of show, hey, we're we're still the alpha team of New York. You know, yeah. So things are, I think things are going to change, but I think on top, the Dodgers are pretty formidable. <laughs> the only thing that scares me with the Dodgers is their bullpen. That's the only spot that I think. Yes, but you know, playoff game now with Dustin May coming back in a short. Series, I think May would move to. Would he star or would he? Right, that was my question. Right, because Urias will probably start one game. Tyler Anderson's been great. He's got to start a game. Gonsolin. Gonsolin's been fifteen and one. He's got to start. So those three start, and then May, Gratterall. You still have guys. I I can't believe I'm bringing this up, but David Price as Mm a lefty specialist. Um, I'm forgetting a bunch of names in their bullpen. How about Kershaw? That, if he's healthy, he's got to start, right? Yeah, Kershaw would probably <laughs> be the fourth starter. So maybe May does. That, maybe May does go to the bullpen. He could be. That's a weapon in the in the bullpen. That, that is his. What do you have? Ten strikeouts in his first game back. Nine strikeouts. Yeah, nine. Innings? I think one hit <laughs> over five innings. I mean, yeah, you put him in the bullpen. Your bullpen gets a lot better. Let's say it that way. And because I don't like the closer, you know, Kimbrell, we've seen him, you know, he's he's not great. He's no automatic. But that you turn it around to the Mets, that's where their ace is, right? At the at the back ends. He's yep. been automatic. It's the middle part. That's what scares me about the Mets. I don't know like who's the guy they're going to to get an out in the seventh inning. You know, <sighs> forget about the eighth and ninth. That's probably Diaz now. So Adam Adovino. And we both have had experience with Adam Adovino yeah. and in the playoffs. So, um, no, I get what you're saying. It makes a lot of sense. It's, I, I think it's going to – I'm going to say – I'm still going to stick by – for some reason, I'm still going to stick by my – this is my hot take of the episode. I'm oh, going to stick by my World Series predictions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Going down – in a blaze of glory. I think if Milwaukee can get to the postseason, and right now they're on the outside looking in, um, if they can get there with their rotation and some of their – they have a sneaky lineup. If Yelich can get hot with a McCutcheon, with a Renfro, with a Rowdy Tellez. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't trust that lineup at all. In the playoffs, yeah. pitching wise, yeah, love that pitching. Um, yeah, starting rotation, I love. 
Uh, bullpen's pretty solid too. I'm just gonna say a team that we don't think of. Like I don't think it's gonna be the Dodgers or the Mets from the National League. I then I would go if I had to put money on, I would say St. Louis. Okay, St. Louis. You got Atlanta is still. Yeah, that's yeah, that's another team that could make a run. But every time you think that's another one, I thought they had two shots at the Mets. Right at, in New York, I think they lost two out of three or three out of four or something, four out of five. Um, and then they went home and then they beat them two out of three. Uh, I believe so. Right. So, yeah, the Braves are right there. My whole thing, and look, <laughs> any listener, you can definitely argue, and I think you'd be right, probably, with taking the other teams other than Milwaukee to make the World Series, obviously. But my whole point is I think this is the year where it could be a lot like last year, a team like the Braves, not come out of nowhere, but I don't know if the Dodgers and the Yankees go from post to post as the top team in those in the leagues. I think you see it a little bit with the Yankees right now, with Houston kind of overtaking in the AL. Yeah. But like you said, St. Louis is sneaky good. Atlanta's still pretty good. <sighs> Philly right now, I look, Philly's not winning the pennant, but no. But they've done all this with Bryce Harper not even on the team right now. Anytime you can imagine if the Yankees made the playoffs with Stanton or Judge missing two months. Yeah, well, Stan's missed about a month, I think. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's just, it's it's incredible. I, I think it's just, my whole point is, there's going to be a team that steps up and outperforms what they've done in the regular season. I, I think the two teams that have a shot in the National League is Atlanta and St. Louis. I don't think Milwaukee, yeah. um, San Fran, San Diego, those teams. Because if you yeah. tell me there's a big at bat, it's Goldschmidt or Arenado. I, I like their chances. I know it's yeah. more than just one at bat, but that that's a tough team too. And there's there's winning pedigree on that team too with Wainwright, Molina, right. young manager. But yeah, what's not great with St. Louis is that I think their rotation. They yeah. have a good back end of the bullpen, you know. They have a good National League rotation, right? But... It's it's good enough. It's definitely good enough. But when you put them against the Mets, when you put them against the Dodgers, then you're like, nah, all right, not great. But can they upset them? I I think they can, just like you said, because of the winning pedigree, and that's why I think the Do- the uh, Braves could be dangerous too, because they just won the title last year, so. I think those two teams are the uh, quote-unquote wild card going into the playoffs. Yeah. You know, Cardinals are not a wild card, but you know what I mean. They're the they're yeah. those teams that could upset. So, okay, now switch to the American League, right? We, we, we were talking about them earlier with the wild yeah. card. What team other than Houston? Let's put the Yankees up there too. So other than Houston. Yankees and Houston and then the rest. Right. Who's uh, I see the rest. rest. I see a team like. If you're mm-hmm. gonna, if I'm gonna have to pick one, I'm gonna say, I'll say Seattle has a run in them. 
Yeah. I can see Seattle. I can see Tampa Bay knocking off one of the top two teams in a short series, maybe, but I doubt it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write Tampa off until they're out of it. Right. Right. That's so, exactly exactly how I feel. I mean write them everything about my logical mind says pick the Dodgers or the Mets and pick the Yankees or the Astros. That yeah, those are the four favorites, I would say. But outside of that, yeah, I think we, I think know, Seattle. You can, a, you can get a team like Toronto, I hate to say, or a team like Seattle. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And you just go in and you just play up to your ability. And a guy like Vladdy kind of takes the team and just carries them for a couple of weeks. They or somebody like Seattle, like Julio Rodriguez, could. But yeah, those those top four teams right now. Yeah, I think the National League has a couple of. I think their quote unquote wild card teams or second tier teams are better than the American League second tier teams. Yes, at this point, you know. <laughs> but you know, like Toronto, they got the offense to make the run. Do they have the starting pitching? I don't think so. Um, maybe the the White Sox. Yeah, maybe they got that run in them. I don't know. We haven't seen it all year. But maybe it's going to happen in September and they go. That's the other. That's the thing we got to look for, too. Like those last two or three weeks of the season going into the playoffs. What teams are hot going into the healthy and yeah, it's injuries and it's just timing. Yeah, that's going to be the the deciding one way or the other. And there's still I mean, we keep saying it's getting late early. There's still 40 games. 40 games is. Coming from a guy whose team is out of it looking to get in it, <laughs> 40 games is a lot. There's still still a quarter of the season, so we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. And it's gonna be I think it's gonna be interesting. And I think the I think you know the wild card round is gonna be great because I like what they've done with the wild card. Yeah, I do too. I think it's it's fairer. If you want to talk about unfair or fair, you get three games. And if you're the low team, you're on the yeah. road against whatever. So I like I it. I think anytime more teams can get into the mix with with a game like baseball where it's, the season is so long, I think it I don't think it's watered down the sport to add an extra playoff team. I think it's Yeah, I don't think so. I think this is the limit right now. Where they yeah. have it is pretty solid. Yeah, I think any more than this. Then yes. you're talking all right. Then now you're talking like an 81 team. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, this is ridiculous. So yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I like the uh the, the six teams. I think it's a fair. And I like that they changed it to, to a three game series that first round instead of a one game. Yeah, you know? because if you're playing that one scheme one sixty two and you have to pitch your top pitcher to get into the playoffs, then your wild card, you tell me your season comes down to Pitching your second best starter, yeah, it's just that doesn't seem right for a six month season to come down to the turn of the rotation. Yeah, I agree. Should be good. I I, I think it'll be cool to see it first year. Would we're, we're gonna see yeah. it? So um, I'm looking forward to it, and the playoffs should be good. I'm I'm hoping it's really good for the Yankees and memorable, but uh, we'll see when we get there. <laughs> And I am wait. I am ready to go on the trivia. 
Okay. It's much easier than I thought, but I'm going to word it a different way. Okay. I was going to say just, uh, all right. I, I forgot what team it was this week that said, I seen it on TV. They said this team now has a player at first time at this position, making the all-star team. Right. So it's mm-hmm. oh, all right. Let me look at Boston and say, let's get all the players that made it at each position. And let's see if not every player, that would be hard because there's names here that I don't know. And I'm sure you don't know either, but um, I'll say it this way. Name me the last player at each, at position, each position that made the all-star team for the Red Sox. So let's start a catcher. Easy. The last Red Sox catcher to make the all-star team as the starter. Now, not just make the team, but as a starter, as a starter, this I'm be- not going to overthink it. I'm going to say uh, along the line, Jason Veritek. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, don't. <laughs> I know. I didn't know if I was going to have to go back all the way to. Um, well, there's there's four catches that made it for the Red Sox. Yeah, I didn't. Veritek. I thought I was going to have to go back to Carlton Fisk. All right, that's two. The other the other two guys you're not going to know. At least I don't think so. One guy named maybe Bert- in the forties. Yeah, one guy named Bertie Tebbets. And another guy named Rick Farrell. 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 I'm sorry. That's how I wrote it. But okay. So there you go. All right. So first base. Who was the last player at that position to make it as a Red Sox? Starting. Starting first baseman. Did Adrian Gonzalez make it that year? Yes. See. Good. I thought that the was year gonna... that we were we were both surprised. I think it was two episodes ago. That was we my talked only about shot. Ellsbury and and. Adrian Gonzalez that year had a great season. He was the one guy I thought I was going to get you on, I think, out of all these. But okay, so the other third, uh, the other first baseman that made it, obvious name uh, right? as a starter. Um, oh boy, um, Mo Vaughn. Yep, that's one. Uh, all big name, all you, all names. Okay, I'll, I'll give them to you this way because I know we're. We're yeah. deep into this already. So Kevin Euclid made it as a first oh, base. That's right. I wasn't sure if he would have been third base. Ortiz made it. Ortiz as, as a first baseman, not a DH. Yeah. I think, you know why? Because I'm sorry. No, no, no. You know why? Because I think the year he made it was at a National League team, a National League uh, stadium where they didn't have the DH. Okay. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. But uh, Mo Vaughn, like you said, Oh, um, I'm forgetting a huge name, Jimmy Fox. Right. He was the first one. George Scott. Oh, he cool. was a rookie. And Yaz made it as a first baseman as well. Probably like his last year. Yeah. 82? Something like that. Yeah. Early 80s. Yeah. Okay. Second base, I'm going to say... I know Pedroia made it as an all-star. I don't know if he was a starter. Yes, he was. He was the okay. last one. How about okay, here's the tricky one. Who was before that? Oh boy. Um it's somebody you know, like somebody during your time. It's not, you know, one of the older guys I'm gonna tell you, but during my time. Totally forgot this guy played for you guys. He might have played okay. one one year, maybe. I'm not go on a limb say. Well, if I work it backwards after Pedroia, there's no way it's Mark Bellhorn. There's no 
Okay, go back to go back to He's in the 2000s. 2000s. There's not that far back. Okay. Um I'm just going to say No way. <laughs> Tony Graffinino was never an all-star. No, no, no. Okay. It's not that far. It's not that obscure. Um Okay. Jose Offerman. Mark Loretta. Mark Loretta. Forgot he played for us for you guys, but um Mark another Loretta. other guys starting second baseman. Yeah. In the all-star game. Yep. Oh my. <laughs> uh what year was it? Let me look quick. It Probably was two thousand. Two thousand six. The wow. same year. Same year. Ortiz made it back to back years as a starter at first base. Surprisingly. Okay. Because both years they played at a National League. Yeah, there were a couple of years there where it was, what, Ortiz and Ramirez on and off for probably a couple of years together. Yep. Yeah. Um, other names that made it at second base, Felix, F- Felix Montilla, which was in 65. Another guy named Pete Runnels, Billy Goodman, and Bobby Dorr. Yes, Bobby Dorr. If any Red Sox fan or baseball fan wants to look up Bobby Dorr versus Dustin Pedroia when we were doing the all-time Red Sox team, I think their war is separated by one point. Wow. And the only difference is Pedroia has a World Series mm. win. So, anyway. All right. Last third stop, I'm going to say. Uh, oh, you can. All right. Shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy, too. Go ahead. Bogarts. Yes. And, and then before him. Before him. I know there's probably somebody that snuck in between him and Nomar. No. No? Okay. No more. And no more only made it once as a starter for the uh, Red Sox. What was that? The 99 one? Yep. In Fenway, him and Pedro. Yep. Yep. Before him, other names we might have heard. We definitely heard of Rick Burleson. Oh, nice. Luis Aparicio, Rico Petroselli, Johnny Pesky. He's very famous, we know. And Joe Cronin. Yes. All shortstops that made it as a Red Sox. So, all right, third base, easy, right? Third base would be, and try not to overthink this. You can't. Rafael Devers. Right, as I say, it happened the last two years. <laughs> I think so. I've heard of him. <laughs> He's right up there with the Chris Sale answer. Here's the one that might be a little tough. Who was before him as third base? Oh, boy. It wasn't Euclid? Nope. As a starter, remember. Okay. Um, Wade Boggs? No, there was somebody in between. Oh, boy. <laughs> I still can't believe this guy actually made it, but he did. Uh, if you're saying that, then I'm going to say if it was in between, it would be on those like 2000, 2010 in there. It was 02. Uh, 02. Bill Mueller? No. Nope. Bill Miller? No, he was okay. a Yankee killer. Mueller. I don't know. Then. 2002. Shea Hillebrand. Oh, geez. <laughs> and I'm going to go on a limb and hopefully he's not listening, but Shea Hillebrand should not be starting the all-star game. No. Well, I'll tell you what season he had. 2002. Well, I, actually, you know what? He was a career two. like, I just saw 284. Yeah, he was 293 that year, 18 homers, 83 RBIs. Probably the rest of the league wasn't great at third, maybe. That's why. Um, 
But the other only other third baseman as a Red Sox that started the All-Star game is a guy named Frank Malzoni. Wow. So there you go. So that so you know the four Red Sox starters at third base. So all right, now we'll go to how about left field? Last Red Sox to start there. I did not know this guy made an all-star team, but here we are. Starting it, let alone. Oh, he was was he part of the trivia question a couple weeks ago? Maybe. Did we talk about him? It was completely <laughs> pun intended. It was completely out of left field. This name came up. <laughs> Jason Bay. <clears throat> he was the next to last. Next to last. Man. And the last one was within the last few years. I'll give you that. Was J.D. Martinez technically a left fielder? Uh, no. He and made it as a DH, not as a left fielder. 2016. I, 2016. And I'm looking at his numbers. I still can't believe he started, but he did. Oh, um, that was in San Diego. He should have been the center fielder. Jackie Bradley Jr. Correct. <laughs> he had what, like 20, probably had 20, that was the year he had like 26 home runs. Uh, let's see. He had in 2016, he had, yeah, 26 homers, 87 ribbies. Yeah, that's a good year. That's average. not a starting outfielder year. No, but that's a pretty good year. For, oh, great year for him. For him, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So the other ones, like you mentioned, uh, Jason Bay, of course. You got to mention Manny Ramirez. Who was all right? Uh, after M- Ramirez, there was Carl Everett. Oh my God! Jim Rice. Yeah, there you go. Ted, Ted Williams, Williams for a few decades. East and one, one in between the Ted Williams years, there was a guy named Bob Johnson. I guess he was one of the fill-ins when Williams was uh, okay in the war. So yeah, they had a decent run of. Outfielders always, yeah. The Red Sox, not center field because center field's tough. There's only three of them. Fred Lynn, he wasn't the last, but uh, only four. Uh, four. Ellsbury, no, not as a starter. Johnny Damon, he's the last starter in center field for you guys. Wow. So it was Damon, Fred Lynn are the last two. Who were the first? Two? Dom DiMaggio. He was the first center fielder. Correct. Good one. Nice. There were some teams back then, and I know it was a sh- smaller league, so it's probably true for your team, too, for the Yankees. There were some years way back when when both of our teams had, like, half their starting lineup in the All-Star game. Yeah. And the other center fielder for you guys was Yaz. He made it oh, one wow. year center fielder, yeah. He made it in 1970 as a center fielder. Wow. Uh, and then I'm going to go on a limb and say right field is Mookie Betts. Yeah, he was the last. And who was? And before him was easy to right field. Uh, Actually, no. Him, no should before be him wasn't. Before him, obviously, it was before him. I'm going to say... Um, What's his name? Jim Rice? Not Jim Rice. Um, no, you're right. It was Dewey. Jim Rice. But more, no, you're right. Jim Rice was in. 
Evans never won, uh, never started a an All Star game. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, Rice Rice is normally for left field. Yeah, one known for a left fielder, but yeah. And then before him, you had Tony Canigliaro. Uh, yeah, cut short. A guy named Jackie Jensen. Dom about, made it. What as about well. um the guy I was telling you about that movie that you should see? Fear Strikes Out. Jimmy Pearsall. No, not as a starter. Not as a starter. Uh, Doc Kramer was the first Red Sox okay. as a right fielder, and then DH is easy. Right, you don't have to even say it. There you so, go. And the only other DH, not that is that long, but the other DH that made it was JD Martinez. Interesting. I'll, yeah. I'll, that that's a that's a good trip down memory lane, obviously, because they're all stars. So yeah, usually good season, <laughs> good teams. I'll do. I'll give you a little head start, but uh, next episode we'll do the Yankee one because I'm sure there's going to be some interesting names on there. Yeah, definitely. And it'd be Not good just to the see. last starters, but you could do like the most random because I'm sure there are, if there's Shea Hillenbrand, I'm sure there's an equally <laughs> obscure Yankee. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I'll definitely like even just doing this, you know, like you go on it on baseball reference and you see all the names. And it's a couple of times I had to click on the name because I'm like, who did this guy play for? You know, because I never heard of him. And then I would say, oh, he was a Yankee? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> never heard of the guy. So, that was interesting. But we yeah. could actually, if you if you have a couple minutes, we could do the Yankees right now. Okay. You think you're ready for it? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. As We, we may as well. Yeah. Um, we, we could do it. Uh, yeah. Last player at, at catcher. The last starting Posada. So yeah, what I listed was I don't have the difference between starters and all stars. Oh, okay. Oh, I could. I'll be looking at the answers, but uh, yeah, that would be. Oh, yeah, oh no, I, I have it on. I just got it on ESPN, and it's it Gary Gary Sanchez. Gary Sanchez in 2017. Uh, 19 actually. Wow. Okay. As a oh, starter. Yeah, as a starter. That's incredible. 17 with Sal, Sal Perez started one, two, three, four, five straight. Then Sanchez started, and then Perez started uh, 2021. How about I do? Okay. Um, let's see. First base. The last first baseman starter um, was it Teixeira? Teixeira was an all star in 2015. He was also an all-star. I'm sorry, I just have the all-star. So 2009, oh. obviously, championship year. So let's see, first base. He was probably, this, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he was a starter. He was a starter in 09. And he was their okay. last starter at first. Before we do other positions, do you think you could find, this is, this is random, I'll stop at this one. 2010. The All-Stars, there's a couple of names that are very random, and there's a couple of names that are to be expected. Like 2010, you think New York Yankees, All-Stars. There are five of them. 
I know that's very random, but yeah, yeah. I'll knock right. one off right away for you. Derek Cheater. All right. He was there. Was Cano still there? Yeah. There you go. Uh, and there's three more. One, I'm pretty confident you'll get. The other two, if you get, I will send you an all-star prize. Okay. <laughs> because uh, they are the Shea Hillen brand of right, was, what I've seen in the last 10 years. Was Posada one of them? Uh, no. 2010, so the year after 09. The year after the championship year. Not Swisher, right? Yes. Oh, he made Oh, okay. And then two pitchers. Oh, pitchers. Um, man, that is tough. Rivera? I'm sorry. I just, before, I was just looking at it, and this year jumped out because there's two pitchers on this list. One of them makes a lot of sense, and one of them... All right, so 10, either Rivera or CeCe? Andy Pettit. 2010, okay. Yeah, and the other one, I know it's very random. Phil Hughes. Ah, okay. As a starter or a reliever? As a list, and there are some years where, I mean, obviously, you have like some years, A-Rock, Rivera, Jeter. That's pretty solid. (laughs) That is, that's, uh, and let me see the starters that year. Hold on. 2010, yeah, Joe Maurer at catching, uh, Miguel I mean, Cabrera some years, like, we're, yeah. like I was saying before, some years you have guys that are just like all-time Mount Rushmore, Bill Dickey, Joe DiMaggio, Lou Gehrig. Yeah. That, that's pretty solid. 2010, you only had two Yankee starters, though. Okay. Yeah, Cano and Jeter, because Cabrera first. Yeah, there's this. Actually, you know what? Don't look too far down the list, because I've got some more trivia for you next episode. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm not. There are some names on here. I mean, anytime you're on a list with Babe Ruth, you're doing pretty well. But some of these names, I'm going to have to look up, because there's a couple in there that if you told me they, they actually were real player I, I it'll make sense when i ask you because some of these names remember how i was joking that some of these names sounded like they were just made up back in the day like it would sound like it was like a captain or like an admiral it was just some some random names and it's going to be interesting to see if you can like if you go on baseball reference there's like guys that are named like big bob Anderson or I'll give you one tiny bottom tiny say that again tiny b-o-n-h-a-m <laughs> and then snuffy sternweiss just so the just so the listeners don't think I'm losing my mind here that's an actual multiple all-star <laughs> so that's how obscure we got. Definitely, there was another one. You know what? I did see one, and I did. Yeah, you, you know what I was talking about when we were doing the. There was one episode where we did the trades. We went down the. I went down a rabbit hole of trades between the Yankees and Red Sox. Right, and it was like Babe Ruth, you know, all these big names, and then there was like you know, Little Scott, 
you know, Vanderbilt, Houston, the third. Yeah. It was just random. Anyway. How about Bertie Tebbets? There you go. Four-time All-Star. I, mean, I see right? Joe DiMaggio here for like a decade. Lou Gehrig. And then you see Marius Russo. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know where to go from that. But, Mike you know, there are, yeah, there are some. <laughs> oh, here's the, all right. This is going to top all that you said. This one's going to top it all, right? This guy was an all-star. He's actually in the Hall of Fame, this guy. Batting title, one-time all-star, Hall of Famer. Left fielder. His name is Heine Manouche. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And I, I'm sure, I'm sure we're not doing them justice because I'm sure if you asked an old timer, yeah, that that knew somebody that watched them play, they were amazing. Because I'm just shaking my head a lot because I see a lot of great names in Yankee history that were on teams, and you could make the case. I mean, how are you making the outfield in the American League way back in the day with Mickey Mantle, Ted Williams? Right. <laughs> how do you make that third spot? Yeah, you just don't. <laughs> How's that? Or like in the National League, Willie Mays, Hank Aaron. Or when like Williams was trying to find the next outfielder, like Roberto Clemente. Yeah, look at the- Williams and DiMaggio. Williams and DiMaggio, and then the right third field, would have yeah. to be for those, maybe, right. for three years straight. It was Williams DiMaggio, and for three years straight, there was a different right fielder. You had Keller, Heath, and Henrich. Heinrich, yeah, Heinrich, yeah. Heath was Jeff Heath, and the other one was on the Cleveland. Uh, I think Heath was on Cleveland. Uh, Keller was. Charlie Keller, uh, Yankee. <laughs> of course. So, yeah, of course. Exactly. That's... Half the, you know, two-thirds of the outfield. Oh. Uh, it's, that's incredible. But yeah. that was just a peak at the All-Star, and there's a lot more to get into. But that was episode 60. Um, nice. Interesting. I think we covered a lot there. Yeah. And uh, this week... Um, you got the Yankees, you got a lot of stuff going on. The Yankees Mets, so nice little interleague. Uh Red Sox are playing at home for six games and um and then the Yankees and Red Sox play again in a couple more episodes. We play each other a couple more times so we can enjoy it while we still have it. And uh, before you know it, we'll be talking playoffs. Yeah. Hopefully. So it'll be nice if both teams are in the playoffs. Us at Talking Rivals. TalkingRivals.com, wherever you get your podcasts, give us a like, give us a listen, review it, uh, continue the conversation on Twitter at CP7NY, at Patrick Trotty, like I said, at Talking Rivals, um, Sportinarium.com backslash player. And um, until next episode, enjoy the games. Yep. See you soon.